Well, as we dive in today, we'll go and start with this concept, this verse that's out of Colossians. Colossians 2, 6-7. There's a beautiful picture on the screen. It says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives <coughs> excuse me, in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and what? Overflowing with thanksgiving. How would we look as a society if we were characterized by being overflowing with thanksgiving? How would our families look? How would we look as individuals? So this morning we're going to try to unlock a little bit of that secret. How do we do that? And what is the power of thanks through giving? I'm going to encourage you now to turn away from Colossians 2 and turn to John 3.16. Please turn there in your Scriptures this morning. Because this will be our primary text. Let me ask a question. Are you thankful for the love that God has given to you? Are you thankful for the love that God has given to you? That should permeate our mind and our heart and our thinking. If it did, I think we would change our whole approach to the day. Our whole approach to life. Now John 3.16, we've done a lot of things with this verse. Uh, it's the most famous verse at football games that you'll ever see. Right? How many of you remember the rainbow hair guy that, that was at, in the end zone at, at football games? John 3.16 is everywhere. And now we've gotten so tricky with it that sometimes you'll drive around and you'll see on people's uh, car just 3.16. If you've ever wondered if there's like something happening at 3.16 in the afternoon, no. It's, that's like a real cute way to say, I'm a Christian, right? Or, or I, I identify with John 3.16. So we do all these fun little things. I thought I'd show you some of this, that somebody took this and made an alliteration from John 3.16 to spell gospel. That's kind of cool. Then they took another one and they spelled Valentine. That's so sweet. Isn't that great? We do that stuff with, as Christians all the time. Christian bookstores are filled with it. It's awesome. That's why a spiritual gift is sarcasm there. There's a cute one, right? Bring in some neon and it's like, you know, flowing around and everlasting life is the concept. That's the focal point, right? That's the interior part of this beautiful graphic is we're going to have what? Everlasting life. And that is a beautiful concept, beautiful idea. But my proposal to you this morning is that there is a significant word in this verse that always gets passed over. Here's a cute way of doing it. It's got stars and hands and little smiley faces. And it looks like a ransom note. I don't know what's going on with that. But, you know, I guess it is a ransom note in some ways, right? So here's kind of one of these cool things. It's got like that biker feel, you know, or maybe it's a beer shirt or something. I don't know. Um, you know, it's kind of unique and designed well. Risen apparel. And then here's like your flowing, cool, esoteric sense and uh, this whole, this, this part proves my point. You know, we focus, what's the word? Pick the word in your mind that's probably the most profound word in John 3.16 for you. Just think about it. Wow. Now that was fascinating. 
We should just wrap up right now. <laughs> really? No amens? What? See, there's one of those 316 things. That's kind of cool, right? You know? So here it is. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And yes, those words are significant. But for the sake of what I'm trying to speak to today, we're going to focus on one key word. Now, he's emphasized the word God, right? Then you have so love the world. That's a little bit emphasized. Then son is really emphasized. Parish is emphasized. And life is the biggest emphasis to whoever made this graphic. It speaks to them in that way. Well, I want to have you all see what I'm thinking today. That we would walk as Jesus walks. That in our expression of thanksgiving, there is a result. I don't know if we commonly think that way. That there would be a tangible tangible result to us giving thanks. I'm going to show you how this church does that by the end of our sermon around 3 o'clock today. Oh, I actually heard some groans. I'm just, you know, the pastor's honest. I'm not, uh, that's not going to happen, okay? I'll be honest with you. Our first point today, don't know what happened there. We'll get back to it. The first point today is the generosity of the Father is the evidence of love. Again, I'm going to ask this question. Are you thankful for the love that God gave to you? The generosity of the Father is the evidence of love. At this time of year, I often speak about generosity. That the church should be generous. Why should we be generous? Because we're here to what? We're here to reflect what the Father does for us. We're here to mirror who Christ is. We're to be relevant to the world around us and to the church, right? By being people who are relevant in heaven, earth, and hell. Part of our new vision statement. So, this morning, we start with the generosity of the Father is the evidence of love. So what do we mean by this? Well, for God so loved the world that He what? He gave. How did He give? Let's break this down. He gave His love to the world. How many of you are discreet with who you give your love to? Now, let me flip that a little bit if you're wondering, what, where is he going with this? Have you ever said in your mind, I won't ask you to raise a hand, rhetorical question, but in your mind, you're thinking, that person doesn't deserve my love. Now, think about Christ being crucified, brutally slain, And God sent His Son to die for a majority of people who will refuse to love Him. What an incredible statement. What do we have to be thankful for? That He loved the world. Two, His love is manifested. It's real. It's not just an expression. How many of you... uh, as you were dating that person, maybe not your spouse, we'll keep, it, we'll keep it simple, maybe with somebody else, and you're waiting for those, those beautiful words of hearing the other person say, I love you. 
I don't know why I said it that way, but <laughs> I had a version of Brady Bunch going to my head or something. I don't know. Marsha at the dance or something. But, you know, you're waiting for that I love you. Love is demonstrated. Love is real. Remember at a pastor's conference that we go to in the fall, there's a pastor there that his wife had multiple sclerosis. And the entire conference about four years ago had a moment of silence and mourning and prayed for this gentleman because his wife finally passed. I don't know that I have a picture of a deeper love than that man. 24-hour attention. And he had such a smile. And his wife knew she was loved even though she knew she was a tremendous burden. And to know how difficult it would be to take his wife in a wheelchair to Hume Lake. And yet every year we went, over 20 years, she was there. And it came at great cost for him to do that. But he had a family there that respected him because his love was made manifest. This is what it means to love. Not just in word, but in what? In deed. His love is personal. This is what separates our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. This is what separates him from the other religions, from the other gods, from the other worldviews, which we talked about last week. You have a personal God that. I heard this story told one time of a young boy who was standing at a beach. He was visiting, and <coughs> for some reason, there were starfish washing ashore all over the place, just hundreds. And he's picking them up and he's throwing them back. He's picking them up and he's throwing them back. And this gentleman's watching from the shoreline. He walks over to the kid. He says, what are you doing? The kid says, I'm throwing them back. I'm saving them. He goes, there's way too many to save. He says... To this one, it matters as he throws it back. You know, if it was just one of you, God would have sent His Son. Because He does not discriminate. And we'll get into that in a minute, how beautiful this personalization is of the Father's love for you and for me. So what did He give? He gave His only Son. He gave part of Himself. There's a story about, you know, if you like those apocalyptic stories, right? Zombie stories, things like that, right? You, you weird people that like those things. Uh, there's a story that there was a worldwide pandemic. And, um, and the problem was is that people had to have blood transfusions in order to survive. And it was a catastrophe. And they found one person who had untainted blood. And it was a 12-year-old boy. And so the doctors came to the father and they said, your son is going to save mankind. And the father was so proud and he was so excited. But the doctors had a different look on their face. And when he realized something was amiss, he said, what is it you're not telling me? They said, well, we need his blood. And, and they said, fine, you can have his blood. And they said, you don't get it. We need all of His blood. 
Now that's a story many of you have probably heard, but, but I want you to think about that. That God had to give all of His Son for people that what? The majority of the people that would reject His love. His only Son. He gave His greatest possession. <clears throat> you know, it was interesting a few weeks ago. I was able to speak at our former church. I spoke on the Great Commission and, and uh, Acts 1.8 and what is Judea and, and how, do we, how do we take the message of the Gospel out there. And, and so as we finished, you know, we were really excited to get the girls to go down and, and see people and spend time with the girls on a road trip. But it was a crazy road trip. Drove down Saturday morning, drove back Sunday afternoon from L.A. And um, so they weren't super excited about that road trip. And we said, oh, we'll play like the radio game. We'll play the letter game. They're like, still not excited. And so I said, look, what if we stop at the outlets at the base of the grapevine? Oh, now we're excited. <laughs> so I spoke and um, there was a love gift. And so we took that love gift. We took all of that love gift and we parlayed it into a trip to the outlets. And uh, it's amazing how fast you put money in someone's hand, they disappear that fast. It was incredible. But you know what? There was a great joy in my heart to take my three girls shopping and let them have fun for an hour and a half. I told them 30 minutes. I figured what damage could they cause in 30 minutes, and they didn't buy it. So we, we compromised it at an hour and a half. He gave his greatest possession. At that time, I'm driving back and I'm looking forward to Jubilee and my greatest possession was the money in my pocket right there. And, and yet it was, no, why don't you share that? Why don't you give that? And there could have been a, a huge selfishness there on my part. But there was a joy, there was a thankfulness in having something that I could share, that I could bless my family with. He gave without limitation. What if God had said, well, the first 500... Right? The first 500 are going to experience my love. They're going to experience eternal life. The first 500 will not perish. Have you ever thought about it in those terms? Because we live that all the time, don't we? How do you qualify for a good rate? How do you qualify for money down on a house around here? How do you qualify for a Cadillac? Some of you are like, I wish I qualified for a Cadillac. <laughs> he gave without limitation. Does that instill within you and I a heart of thankfulness? Abounding in thankfulness. Do we understand that that's what the picture of love is? Is to give everything without limitation. He gave sacrificially. You know, it was interesting. You know, when I had that, um, that love gift, from speaking, I thought to myself, yeah, there might be some things I might be interested in. It might be kind of cool, you know, I don't really shop much, but maybe there's something. And, and then I was thinking, no, I'll just let them, you know, I'll, I'll let them go. And uh, it worked out that it was, you know, there was something there. There was something left over. And, and, uh, but if they had asked for it all, I would have given it all. They didn't need it all, but I would have given it all. 
And so I walked into the Adidas um, outlet. I'd walked into an Adidas outlet probably about six months earlier with Dylan over in Vacaville and saw this incredible German national team jersey for World Cup that was a special issue. And I look at that thing, and the covetous Jer started to fight with the holy Jer. And we weren't sure who was going to win until we saw the price tag. And then the sensible Jer, the fearful Jer, um, knocked down the covetous Jer. So I walk into this outlet. I have a little scratch left over, even though I gave sacrificially. There's the same jersey. Two-thirds off that original price. It was the exact amount of money I had left over. Of course it's a sign, right? Of course it's a sign. Everybody got what they wanted in the end. Everybody wins. You know, here's the challenge that we have with giving sacrificially. Is the sacrifice part. We don't like it to hurt. We don't like it to be something where we go without. But you know, God says that that's part of what it means to know Jesus, to have relationship with Jesus. How can we be thankful and how can we give with thanks when we're sacrificing all the time? You know, that's a crazy dichotomy, but when you know Christ, when you have that love of Christ in you, when you are abounding in thanksgiving, you are no longer limited when you sacrifice. You are no longer limited when you sacrifice. The generosity of the Father is unconditional. It's freely given to those who believe. That love of God to give you life, eternal life, even though you are destined to perish, you do not need to qualify for that. You simply need to have faith in it and believe in it. So He freely gives it to you. Unlike grocery bags now. Right? I don't know if you voted for that thing, but I had to carry my cans and my milk to the car like this the other night. Thank you so much, California. Freely given without having to be what? Without having to be qualified. Right? You remember that first mortgage? You remember trying to get into that school? You remember being in a position where you were interviewing for a job and you felt that tension. Will they find me worthy? You know, a lot of people do that spiritually about God's love. Am I worthy of God's love? You know what he says? He so loved the world. Oh, just the part that was worthy of it. That's not there, is it? He freely gave to those who will believe. You don't have to be qualified in order to receive His grace. Uh, secondly, you don't have to be dignified. If I've received His grace, you can receive His grace. I don't try to be all that dignified. You don't have to have pretense before the Lord. Just look at the life of Peter. You also don't have to be sanctified. What's that mean, sanctified? Pure. 
It means to be pure. That's contrary to what Scripture actually says. Now, here's this idea of suffering and, and sacrificing. What are we thankful for? Well, we're thankful for that eternal life. We're thankful that God gave to us. Listen to this out of Romans chapter 8, starting verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Pastor, where are you going with that? Well, we're talking about how we prove our love to the Lord. Let me come back to that in just a minute. You know, it's freely given to those who cannot pay. You don't have to purchase the love of God. It's freely given. You can't purchase it. You can reject it, but you can't purchase it. What if you were to walk into the store for that thing that you were looking for this holiday season, and the manager just told you, oh, you can't purchase this. I'm just going to give it to you. Oh, was I your 100th customer? No, I'm just giving it to you. Do I know you? No, I'm just giving... Do I owe you something? Right? What would be the litany of all the things we would go through? This, this works so counterintuitive to who we are as a society. But that just makes it so more magnified and magnificent that He gave. And He gave freely. And He gave generously. It's the evidence of His love. It's the evidence of love. The generosity of the Father is unconditional. It's freely given to those who cannot pay. My question is, how will our lives reflect the example of generosity that the Father extends to us? Let me brag on you for a minute, can I? So, this idea that the generosity of the Father is beneficial. The benefit of life, not death, is what John 3.16 says to us. Churchill says this, in context of that. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Where is our attitude of giving this holiday season? I'm here to proclaim to you that every Sunday during the month of December, we are going to give away to those that need. Every single Sunday. We have a deacon's fund that is too flush. We have people that are very, very generous and want to give, so we need to know who's in need. And I'm here to announce, December, we are going to practice the love of God by giving. And not just through money. How did we do Jubilee? Think about it. And I just want to say thank you to those that, that, and I'm not going to name all the names because I'll forget somebody. But there is an immense amount of people that worked so hard in order that that would happen. In order that that would come about, that we would be able to experience a sense of gratitude and thankfulness for what God has done here. It was a huge celebration, way beyond our capacity to pull off. Now here's something that's fascinating, that as we look at the idea of doing this Friday night's dinner catered from England's, Wow, that's got to cost a lot of money. Do you know we're not in debt by a dime? We're actually ahead of the game. Because we planned well. We're good stewards of what's given here. Do you know that Saturday, we spent $2,000 for lunch 
thinking that we would reach out to our community. We did reach out to our community, but we could do a whole lot better. A whole lot better. Dale did a great job with the, with the car show. We had so many people come. We had a gentleman driving down the road that just pulled in with his car and entered his car. He saw a car show and he pulled in and entered his car. And Dale got to give him a bag with a message from the pastor about the love of Christ. See how that works? But we get questions, why are we doing a stupid car show? Part of the reason is because we don't do a very good job in bringing people to church. Ouch. So we have to find unique ways to connect with our community. Pastor Jeremy had an issue with quality when it comes to generosity. You see, when we planned this uh, sport court back here, it would have been much easier, much cheaper to just do a sport court with no light. We were told if we went with no light, we would not require a permit. And so that's, Scott remembers, I'm like, nope, no light. We're not going to do the permit. Let's, we'll just bring out flashlights, whatever we need to do. Right? We'll do it that way. Easy, easy peasy. And so at the last minute, the wonderful gentleman helping us at the county said, yeah, you might want to go over to planning and, and engineering, soils engineering, just see what they say about it. And that was the beginning of the end. And, and the next thing we know, it doesn't matter, we have to have a permit. The next thing we know, we have to do so much that now it's the light's going to happen. Do you know I've had 120 people on estimate on this back court from the community that had no idea Concord Bible Church existed over the past two weeks through AYSL? Do you know I was able to share Scripture with at least 60 of those people just by walking up on campus? Those would be people that would never be here. And yet God said, you're going to cheeseball it? I want that light there. And I'm going to give you the money for that light. And you're going to have another opportunity to share the love of Christ with people. I received a thank you from one of the coaches that asked permission to be there. And I said, not only are we thankful that you're able to use it, but let me invite you to our Christmas services. I'm committed every time I engage with anyone from AYSO to invite them to church over and over and over. And God is working and I am thankful for what He has done. Jubilee could never have happened, but guess what? It was done with quality. It was done with excellence. And I'm thankful and I'm grateful for that. How will your lives reflect the example of generosity that the Father extends to us? Let me ask this question. When we give, when we give of our time, Look at your own time in service to Him through the local church. Is there evidence? Is it manifested? Some of you are doing too much and we need to talk about that. But secondly, what about giving financially as well in a sense of generosity? Everybody's tightening up right now. Just relax. Okay? This is a legitimate thing. We are a wreck as a nation financially. And if we would get our stuff together and operate in biblical principles, we would be a much more thankful people. Now, I I understand it. Some of us are like, you don't understand, Pastor. There isn't a dime to squeeze out. Yeah, there is. There's a dime. Remember the part that I was talking about sacrificially? If you want to give limited in your finances, I think you should think about a limited Jesus. No amens? 
I'm not a health, wealth, and prosperity guy. Let me just get that out of the way right now. But this is, this is righteous right here. God so what? Loved. 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 And when I turn to my kids and I say, I'm going to give you $10 each, and they both know that, that I got $300, guess how they're going to feel? They're going to feel loved? Nope. How do we give? How do we give? Do we give generously to the Lord? That is something for us to pray through and to think through this coming year. How will we give? Let me share with you that we took some big risk in doing Jubilee, but we felt led. We felt like this was what God wanted us to do to honor Him and to honor the people and His work for 50 years here. Do you know that we didn't overspend a dime. Oh, it gets better. Because there's a lot of things that we wish we could do. Here we're having to say goodbye to our staff because they can't afford to live in California anymore, but we're going to spend thousands of dollars on a party? Mm Mm-hmm. We are because it's appropriate, and you see it in Scripture all the time, to celebrate God's work. So, did God shine down upon that? Pastor sent out an email saying, things are getting kind of low in the bank account. Did you guys get that email? Came out in September? Right before Jubilee? You see how this works, right? The bank account's getting a little bit low here at the church. We got to what? We got to be conservative. Let's not spend. That's what my mind would say. Yet I knew that God so loved the world that He gave. And it, He gave without limitation. And He gave sacrificially. And did we pray about moving in this direction? And then not only did that happen, but our offices got broken into. And our safe got stolen. And my computer got stolen. And on and on it goes. And there's all these things that keep adding up. But we know what God said and we live by what God said and we live by what God is doing. And do you know that over $6,000 above and beyond what we had available to us was given within one month? $2,000 by a complete stranger was given to support our Jubilee. The money to change over the campus and to see the, the things that have been done around here, that's been done without any sacrifice to ministries whatsoever. It's been done through good stewardship. But it's been done through giving. And so as we move forward as a people, and we want to look at thanks through giving, the question is, is there a manifestation of your giving? Does it make a difference in the world around you? Whether it's a giving of your time, your resources, your heart, your love, or your finances. Or do we approach all of that with limitation? And if we do, I would encourage us, get our eyes on God, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's live that way. Because that brings tremendous joy. It brings tremendous victory. 
And if we start to shudder, if we start to hesitate, that's where that Romans verse, I was going to come back around to it, that's where that Romans verse comes in. Is He who gave His Son that we might be given life, how much more do you think He's going to freely give to you? Those that I know that have struggled with giving, when they gave sacrificially, God has not only provided, He's deepened their faith, and He's provided above and beyond. But also, if you keep reading in that passage of Scripture, it calls us to suffer. So there's a lot in the package deal, brothers and sisters. But the reality is, do I want to give as God gives? Do I want to give with love? How will our lives reflect the example of generosity that the Father extends to us? In closing this morning, that generosity of the Father, we started with this question, are you thankful for the love that God gave to you? I am. Then let me use this expression. Then is God thankful for what you give to Him? And I believe that God is very pleased with the people at Conquer Bible Church. You are a faithful people. You are a loving people. You are a giving people. I know it got a little rough there in the middle, right? You know, Just breathe. It's always good for us to hear some challenge, right? For us to try to grow. But I love the fact that I get to come back to you and I get to say, you are a giving people. And you give out of love. I'm going to break tradition here a little bit and I'm going to simply wrap up by saying this. One of the things, one of the tenets of our vision statement is that we would invest in the next generation. Here it is, last Sunday in January. If you're under the age of 40, you're on. What good is a vision statement if there's no teeth to it? On the fifth Sunday of January, anybody over the age of 40, you are off duty. You will do nothing here other than worship on that Sunday. Nothing. And if the generation that's under the age of 40 doesn't step up, and that includes the pulpit, we all just sit here. Here's a beautiful thing. If I could narrow it down to one person, that gave and gave and gave out of their love and blessed me incredibly. There were so many, but one person. It is my privilege that I get to mention somebody under the age of 40 that gets it. That I would go to their church. I would want to be around them. I would want people to watch their love for people and the church and God manifested in how they serve and how they give and give and give. And anytime I start to complain a little bit, I think about this person and it changes my attitude immediately. This person's probably in their mid-30s, right? Kind of a little seasoned, figured it out. Nope. Well, this person's probably in their late 20s. You know, they've had a couple jobs and, and they're really responsible, graduated from school, and they really, they've gone through a lot of theological training. And Nope. This person reminds me of Peter. 
He's just a servant. And he just gets it done. So Michael Camilleri, thank you. Thank you. From all that you did to help me and everybody else, over and uh, there's very few things I could look at around here <laughs> without knowing that Michael had his hands on it somehow, especially me on that basketball court. <laughs> Throws me around like a rag dog. So we will have a Sunday where our under 40 generation gives. I can hear Ariane and Damien groan. Oh, we thought we were going to have a Sunday off. No, they're not groaning at all. Um, there you go. Let, let me, he's taking it. He's taking his AARP discount. All right, let me close in prayer. And then Hanny has some special things that, that we're going to let you know about. And uh, we do have a vote, but I don't want anybody to leave. You can leave if you need to leave. And, um, but we're not really done with service. We have some very important things to announce. I, I hope that you're encouraged. You know, there, there was a little tone in the message today. Um, but there has to be, because I'm fighting against a society that wants you to lose track of the power of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving just said in words is anemic. It doesn't really get much done. But I'll guarantee you, Michael hearing you clap for him really helped solidify his position here. He felt loved because of what you did. And I didn't tell you to clap for him. He felt loved. That's the message. That's the message. All right. Let me close in prayer and then we'll, we'll take you to what we need to do. Father, thank You so much today for the blessed uh, message out of John 3.16 that You gave, that You gave, and that we learn from that, and that we practice that. I'm excited, Father, about where You will take us this coming year especially this coming month. I pray, Father, if there is any here that need to know the essence of what that eternal life is, that they need to know and focus more on the word believe, that You open their eyes, You open their hearts, and You do not let them rest until they find that answer so that they may share in Your love. But Father, for those of us that do share in that love, we praise You and we say thank You. And we will demonstrate our thankfulness by giving as an extension of our love to You. To You be the glory, Father. Amen.